Welcome back to the Wondering Toward Wisdom podcast. Today, we uh, Joel and I are talking about Acedia or Acadia. You'll notice throughout that I keep pronouncing it different ways. I apologize for that. Uh, I don't really care, though. Um, Acedia is translated sloth, but really means something more like apathy or sadness. It manifests in laziness. It manifests in busyness. It manifests in all kinds of strange ways. Um, But really, it's fundamentally about not caring or even being sad. But what are we being sad or uncaring about? How is it a sin to be sad or uncaring um, in this way? How might the way that we talk about the gospel and salvation actually be encouraging this deadly sin? Uh, We talk about that stuff in this podcast, and uh, we encourage you to go to tacticalfaith.com check out our blogs, check out the other podcasts that we have, TF Radio. If you have any questions or comments or you want us to talk about anything, you can email us at wondering at tacticalfaith.com and that wondering has an underscore or an A or an O and B. We hope you enjoy the podcast and learn something. If not, well, we don't really care. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Joel on the Wondering Toward Wisdom podcast and You've joined us as we're on a series on the seven deadly sins. Uh, we've talked about the intro um, overview of it. We've talked about pride and envy. And today we're going to move to to the third in the list. Um, and that's the spiritual apathy or sloth or, well, Travis, you know, being the, the great scholar that he is, he likes to <laughs> use the, the Latin term for it. Would well, you like Greek. to, to well, <laughs> Greek and Latin, I mean, Greek or Latin, he'll take both of them. So do you, you want to say some, something about this, Travis? Yeah. The, uh, the Greek word is pronounced Acadia and I'm not, I'm actually not really brushed up on Latin at all. Uh, but it's pronounced Acedia. It's spelled A-C-E-D-I-A. Uh, and it means something like a lack of care. So if you think of apathy, Apathy is the alpha privative plus pathos. And so it means a lack of passion or a lack of concern. Um, uh, and that's that's what Acadia translated means literally. Uh, it's been translated sloth, which isn't a terribly good translation. In fact, uh, it can be a somewhat deceptive way of understanding what Acadia is. But we'll get to that in time, I think. Yes. So if you remember, as we've, we've talked about these seven deadly sins, these are the, the source sins in a, in a sense of all the other sins that they are misperceptions in how we see the world, value the world, um, what we value in the world. And these misperceptions, um, are at the core of, of all, all other sins that we do all, all uh, when we talk about sinful actions, um, they're they're motivated by one of these seven deadly sins. Um, you know, pride. When we talked about pride, it was it was about um, seeing oneself, um, thinking that you have the best view of yourself, that you see yourself completely accurately. Um, then the then envy was about kind of. Um, interpersonal um, competitiveness, interpersonal um, feelings of 
of um, being unequal with someone that you think you're equal to. And now we move to acedia, or sloth, or spiritual apathy. And Travis, do you want to tell us um, what what this one is? Or tell us more about this. What this one's about? Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, I mean, we mentioned already a little bit uh, acedia, apathy, really, and sloth has a sense of laziness. Uh, and I guess we'll get to that. But uh, uh, acedia or spiritual apathy is a lack of desire, or in fact, it's been it's been defined as a spiritual sadness uh, with regard to the greatness that God had has made us. So it's it's sort of a uh, a lack of desire for the things of God, um, or for the things or for the the divine that has uh, the divine nature that's been put within us. Uh, being children of God, part of the image of God, a lack of concern or desire for the things that are necessary to, to human salvation. These are all really talking about the same sort of thing. Um, and it's, or it's even a sadness with regard to those things. Uh, uh, a sense where I will not be fulfilled in that. I don't want that. I want, and then of course, well, that's all it's talking about. Whether it replaces it with other desires is another thing. And that's part of the that's part of where the idea of sloth arises is if I have a lack of desire for something, I don't do it. So we think of, you know, somebody doesn't want to work, you know, especially, you know, I don't know, younger people nowadays, you know, uh, you say something, you know, they're like, why do I want to work? I'm just going to have a miserable life like you. And I don't want that. And you're like, how do you get someone to work harder when they don't desire to do it? But but sloth is not a good translation of acedia. Not really. Uh, but it's fundamentally a lack of desire, which is, which that itself is interesting because we normally, we, we Christians have a tendency to see desires themselves as dangerous things. Um, uh, passions tend to be dangerous things, unless it's during a Christian worship song or something, you can have passion during those times. But we, we have a tendency, or at least maybe I think we have this little bit of a Gnostic, a little bit of Stoic element in us in which we tend to see that we tend to feel like desires themselves are dangerous things, that it's better to be sort of a good, rationally thought, rational, thoughtful Christian rather than filled with desire. But to, to lack desire, particularly for the things of God, is a sin. Right. Oh. The, the way that Aquinas talks about it at one point is he talks about treating an actual good as though it's an apparent evil or an actual evil as though it's an apparent good. Um, And so there's this, this idea of, you know, God, God, you know, made me, created me, you know, uh, to, you know, for, for these purposes or, or, um, you know, God desires for me to, to, to become this kind of person. And that's a good thing, but, um, acedia or, or apathy looks at that and says, not that, that can't be good. That, no, that I, I'm going to treat that as an evil rather than a good. What even, even if we may pay lip service to, to the goodness because it's from God in our heart, we, we see that as something that is not good. That is. Yes. 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 That's, that's, that's the dangerous element of it. 
um, is that uh, we we speak we speak all the time, and I think there's a, there's a time in my life, uh, in particular when I when I was learning more and more about God when I was in college, and I was you know studying Bible theology. I wanted to be a pastor um, when I started college. By the time I ended college, I'm like I should probably just go be a heroin addict. But uh, <laughs> but my my sense was that as I as I developed in my knowledge of God. I cared less and less about God and the things of God. In fact, I just wanted everything else. I wanted all the stuff the world had to offer. And what was going on here were, were two sort of things that ha- happened at the same time. As my desire for the things of God began to die, and I don't necessarily want to blame that on college, but maybe I should blame it on college, um, uh, or the way that we talk about theology and the way that we talk about the Bible, I think has a tendency to destroy desire, but that's a big, actually, we'll probably get to a little bit of that today uh, in, in this, but that's, that's a huge conversation. Um, but as that died down, it's like desire, I, a human doesn't function without desire. Desire is what moves you. If you don't have desire, you just stop. You're a plant. And so uh, you're a vegetable. And so other desires come in and fill in that space. And so you become, you begin to be, you have a bunch of other desires that come in and it could be, you know, depending on your age and the situation you're in, it could be any number of things, right? It could be, could be some of the desires we're talking about. We're going to be talking about here, gluttony, lust, and greed, and so on and so forth. Or it could be, uh, which, you know, pursuit of money, pursuit of sex, pursuit of other people's stuff. Um, it could be, you know, and any number of pursuit of, of honors and the stuff, the stuff that's offered in the world, but Desire will always fill back in that gap. Uh, but here's maybe here's a because this is one of the questions that Aquinas brings up as well. Uh, somebody might say, "Well, it's it's not my fault that I that I have a sadness with regard to the, the things of God, right? It's not, it's not my fault. I have I'm I'm sad with regard to it, or I'm, I I lack desire. But how do I? How is that my? How can it be a sin?" to to fail to have a desire well th- this gets to a to a big question i think that our society wrestles with and and that can you cultivate desires within yourself can you change your desires um you know i'm just from my personal experience um you know three years ago uh, I was not a runner, not that I'm a runner now, but I, I, you know, I, I was happy to sleep in. I was happy to, um, I was happy to spend lots of time on the couch and not exercise. And, uh, that was, I was okay with that, but I recognized that that wasn't necessarily a good desire. And so you know, I got a gym membership and I started tracking my miles and, um, next thing you know, three years later, I'm, I'm running 80 plus miles a month. And, you know, if you, I mean, you probably haven't seen me, but I, I look like, a, an uh, unathletic offensive lineman. And, uh, so, so logging those kind of miles isn't, isn't, uh, something to completely laugh at, but, um, I desire it now. If I don't if I go more than a couple days without running, I, I miss it. I feel like something's missing. Um, 
my my body reacts to things differently and my mindset is different um over time i cultivated a desire to run within me um and just because you have a certain desire right now doesn't mean it's not going to change i mean we 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 you know as you as you get older your desires change you think about you know when you were a kid, this, what kind of things did you desire? Now that you're older, what kind of things do you desire? Um, and, you know, 20 years from now, you'll probably desire, you know, some other things too. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our desires change. And so to just be like, to use that as, an, that as an excuse as to why it's okay for you to not want the things of God uh, is very short-sighted and is selling yourself short. Okay. Yeah. So... So one of the one of the, it is it's a it's a lack of desire for, well I think as Aquinas says he says uh, to be saddened over the special good that is the interior and divine good. We need to say a little bit more about this good because it sounds like uh, I think one of the issues that I had in losing my desire for the things of God was that it wasn't even clear what things of God were talking about, right? So I was mm-hmm. learning a bunch of information about God. This is why seminary is often called cemetery, because it's a place where you go to die spiritually. And what they're actually saying is it's a place where you go to develop the arrogance so you can throw Greek and Hebrew words at people and not care about God at the same time. Um, uh, so uh, what is what are the goods? What is the good that God has given us? And why are we... Why do we not desire it? So, I mean, I've talked a little bit about why we don't desire it maybe, but what, what in fact is the good, the divine good that God has given us and why should, and why should we want it? Not to give the Sunday school answer, but <laughs> you totally, did that last totally, so totally the Sunday school answer uh, is Jesus. He showed us what it means to live live in the fullness of our humanity. Um, the way of Christ is the way that we are created to find fulfillment and find peace and find uh, deep happiness in life. And um, the way of Jesus isn't something that you can, um, that isn't something that you, you accomplish or you, or you you move toward by just knowing a lot about it um in fact sometimes part part of the danger in knowing a lot about it is you can use that as an excuse as to why you're not actually pursuing it well i need to know more about it um i don't know enough and and so we think that by knowing more it's going to change our actions but Knowledge and action have at best a weak correlation to each other. Um, sadly, the the our desires do a lot more for our action than our knowledge. Right. In fact, often knowledge follows desire rather than the other yeah. way around. So, but one so one of the problems with Acadia is that actually it actually is a misperception, though. Right. So it's a. Yes. It's a it's a misunderstanding of what in fact is good, and if and knowledge is not sufficient because knowledge does not always mean perception, right? 
right? It's like knowledge is a distillation of our perceptions into abstract into an abstract proposition that then we hold and we can fight with other propositions with it. A proposition is a sentence that's true or false, right? So I get a proposition about God that God is all powerful, and then I start, you know, and God is all good. I'm going to talk about problem of evil in my class today, uh, where I teach. And uh, God is all good. God is all powerful. God is all knowing. And then we throw that against evil. And it's for some reason, evil tends to win. Because evil we feel. Suffering we feel. God, all good, all powerful, all knowing, just doesn't have, it's an abstract, nice, it's like throwing math at a, at a, at cancer, right? It just doesn't, or throwing math at sadness, right? My daughter's in here depressed, listening to something. And I'm like, did you know that the quadratic equation, you know, and she, anyway, that's not really a good comparison, but the point is that knowledge that, but perception, knowledge tends to be weak, but perception tends to bring together the knowledge and the desire. Right. So, so what is it that we're perceiving? Well, so we look at Jesus and Jesus is not simply someone who is utterly other than us being God, who does a bunch of work to save us. And we sit around waiting to go to heaven. The divine good in humanity isn't merely that I get saved and get to go to heaven. Um, new creation is really what we should be saying, but whatever. Um, the, uh, Jesus is also a representation of what we, I need to be careful here because I'm not saying that we can become God unless we are speaking in, in Eastern Orthodox language, but, uh, that, that we have been, I mean, you, you look at Ephesians one people, we are the fullness of him who feels everything in every way. Right. Amen. That's, that's pretty exalted language. And so what, what we tend not to talk about in Christianity, in fact, we constantly encourage acedia in believers by saying nothing you do matters you're garbage you're garbage you're junk filthy rags blah 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 nothing because we're trying to save the idea of grace by faith alone uh being justified by faith alone rather than being justified by works but in doing so we've told everybody that everything they do and everything they are is garbage but that's precisely not what God has. God has not called you to be garbage. He's called you to be the fullness of him who fears everything in every way. Paul talks about he's, the sufferings he experiences make up for what is lacking with regard to Christ's sufferings. I mean, Paul sounds like he's saying he's like in Christ, mm -hmm. which is what he says over and over again, right? We are the body of Christ. That's not some cute metaphor for everyone to just get along. It's saying that we are in fact somehow bound up with the very being of God. So what is the divine good in man, in humanity? It's not merely that you get to be saved and that Jesus was nice to save us. It's that we have been called, we have been filled with, uh, we've been ennobled, transcendently ennobled by an act of God, both in terms of our creation and in terms of our redemption. That's what we're redeemed to. We're not redeemed so that we can be saved. We're redeemed to become bearers and spreaders of a kingdom. Amen. And and so acedia is a rejection of that. Part of the problem in Christianity is we don't talk about that, right? The only the only thing we talk about is you probably should share the gospel with your neighbors. And also you're a horrible person and so are they. And go spread the gospel because we're all horrible. And you're like, well, sin is important. Sin, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to deny the idea of sin. 
and that sin leads to death. I mean, we're talking about the seven deadly sins for crying out loud. The problem is one of the seven deadly sins is the declaration that we're garbage. That's a deadly sin. And again, I think I've mentioned this before, but I saw this all the time in my students at the Bible college that they talked about how much they were garbage. And you saw, and, and what were their lives filled with? Video games, pornography, uh, even, even some of them became obsessed with alcohol. A lot of them were smoking pot at a Bible college. They were filling it up with all of this. In fact, there's one, there's one, there's one girl in particular. She was a systematic, she was brilliant. She was a systematic thinker, but everything had to fit within this nice system. Her desire for the things of God was caught up in the fact that, er that all the equations matched. That's what it seemed like, because she could never be open with anyone. But then she started smoking pot with some friends. And I'm reading a little bit into this. I don't know her terribly well, even though I had a lot of interaction with her. Um, and when she smoked pot with her friends or drank with her friends, she could be open and have relationships. Desire, uh, desire awoke. Christianity wasn't about desire, but this, this was. And you can, you can guess the result. She now thinks Christianity is stupid. There's no fulfillment in it, and it's nonsense. Um, that's where she ended up, which is sad, and I hope that she eventually comes around. Um, but uh, uh, we have trained ourselves to think of Christianity as being uh, the only kind of desire I can have is the kind of desire that arises during a worship song or when I'm watching God's Not Dead and I see the bad guy both becomes a Christian and dies. Um, yay, we win. Uh, and so that, and I'm supposed to love Jesus, but I don't see Jesus. I'm supposed to love God, but I don't see, and it's all about, lo look, love God, love God, love God. But, you know, I don't see God, right? And that's first John. That's not, that's not me. That's first John, right? Where, where does the no, maybe I should, maybe I should say this. So I'm, you know, preaching right now, but where does the nobility of humanity appear. Like when I'm talking about the good things of God and caring about the things of God and the things of, and, and you know, the things that are related to, to salvation, that's how, that's how Peeper puts it. Peeper draws on, uh, Joseph Peeper draws a lot on him on, uh, on Aquinas. And he says that uh, Acadia, or, sorry, I pronounced it Greek way. Acedia is a kind of uh, lack of desire for the things that are essential to human salvation. What's essential to human salvation? I mean, do I desire to not go to hell? Yes, so I don't have acedia. But we're, but we're infected with acedia. So, so let me, why don't we do this? Let, let me back up a little bit. Let me talk about, uh, and Peeper lists this out, and he's, he's drawing from, from Aquinas, and he also relates to Kierkegaard and so forth. But he, uh, he says Aquinas actually sets out the things that acedia gives birth to. And tell me if this doesn't sound like our society today. Okay. Uh, one is this mental restlessness that leads uh, to loquaciousness. Uh, I apologize. Uh, excessive curiosity, uh, applying yourself to lots of different things, a lack, a lack of restfulness within oneself, instability of place and purpose, uh, Indifference toward the things that are in truth necessary for man's salvation. I mentioned that. Uh, pusillanimity. <laughs> I can't say this word. I've never been able to pronounce this word. Uh, pusillanimity. That is small to be 
uh, small spirited, you might say, instead of instead of great souled, or or trying to be to be worthy of great things, you focus on things that aren't great, like money. Uh, the fifth ends up being irritable rebellion against all who are charged with the responsibility of helping people not to forget that they are in fact great. So you end up looking at Christian leaders and you're getting angry with them, um, for example, or Christian leaders who actually do this. And the last, last offspring is, is eventually just, and this is if you've gone all the way down the road, uh, to the point where you actually love evil because you hate the divine in humanity which I don't know if you've been on Twitter, um, but it's all over the place. Um, and so now we don't have a lot of, I mean, but if you think about how does this manifest, it manifests by the pursuit of uh, a pursuit of a bunch of things that really don't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I mean, they, they matter in everyday life. Uh, even here, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to protect myself from being accused of being some sort of hippie. Uh, because if you're a Christian in our society, what are you? Where well, you're going to be a hard worker? You're not going to suffer from the sin of sloth. You're going to be, you're going to pursue more business ventures. You're going to make good money. Blah 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 blah. Right? Because that's what a, it's the it's the uh, Christian capitalist work ethic, which is opposed to the sin of sloth, which is acedia. But that's not right. Right. Um, and I'm not trying to criticize capitalism, but I am criticizing the obsession with more stuff, with well, getting more. Well, and, and I would say I'm not even sure it's – so you know, in a couple of weeks we'll talk about uh, greed or avarice, and, and that's the focus on, on uh, getting more stuff. But sometimes I think we just fill our life with busyness that sometimes gets directed towards our job or our profession – because we don't know what else to do with ourselves. Right. Um, we don't, we, we look at Jesus's commands in the Sermon on the Mount and we're like, I can't do that. That's crazy. Crazy talk. I mean, uh, that, and, and, and so instead of feeling bad about ourselves, we're like, well, I'm going to work hard at my job and I'm going to take care of my family. And those, those, those aren't bad things. Right, but when they are done out of, as in part as a means to distract yourself from from not having to pursue the 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 goods of of God, that's a problem. Um, you know, that so, um, someone asked Dallas Willard years ago if there was one thing. If there was one thing to focus on to help people become better Christians, like what would that one practice or one thing be? And he, he said, uh, he paused for a minute, which was very much a Willard kind of thing to do. And he said, commit themselves to the ruthless elimination of hurry. And there's a guy named John Mark Comer who actually wrote a book uh, that came out uh, end of 2019 called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry that's um, trying to parse that out. And the, 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 the big idea isn't that having a, a full agenda is a bad thing. It's when you're letting kind of – you kind of let your life 
run you, there's problems because then that you can't focus on the things that really matter. And and this acedia spiritual apathy is often manifested in a way as as focusing on things or getting distracted from the things that matter by things that aren't bad things. They can be pretty good things. But and and they're good things if you're choosing them for yourself within this context of pursuing the goods of God. Right. But the problem is when you kind of let your life take over you and your schedule and your kids' activities and your job and all these things to where you kind of feel like you don't have control of your life and that you're always busy and you're tired and and when you do get a minute, you just want to be on your phone because you want to shut down, shut your brain down, and and you and in other words, I'm telling you what a video feed of my house would look like with me. Um, you, that's the that's where the pro that's the problem. It's it's not that the things in and of themselves are bad things to do. It's when they're done. And they are ultimately distractions and things that keep you from focusing where you need to actually be focusing. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, the thing is there, the danger is not the getting a good job, going to a good college, getting a, you know, it, that's not the problem. The problem is that smallness of spirit, right? The, the, the idea that, um, like, let me read a quote from, uh, this is from, uh, Joseph Pieper's on hope, which is an excellent book. So the opposite of acedia is not industry and diligence. So he's criticizing the idea that acedia should be translated sloth. It's not industry and diligence, but magnanimity and that joy which is a fruit of the supernatural love of God. So he's not saying you should be lazy and sit around and, you know, play guitar and, you know, whatever, just hang out with flowers in your hair. He's saying uh, it's not that an industry and diligence is not something you should you should necessarily give up. But the point is that industry and diligence, if it does arise, it should arise from the magnanimity and the joy, which is a fruit of the supernatural love of God. Instead of working hard to get joy, it should arise out of it. And so, and by the way, magnanimity has normally been understood to mean something like, I've always understood it as rich people who give money to people. <laughs> All right, that's magnanimous. But magnanimity literally means to be great sold. It means to be worth, to, to, believe to believe accurately that you're worthy of great things and therefore to pursue them. And the thing, the, the point of, and, and that was, I think to Aristotle, that was something that only great people could have to Aquinas and to Peeper and to believers. Magnanimity is something that every Christian should have because every Christian has been ennobled by God. So magnanimity isn't something for, you know, just, uh, I don't know, Achilles and his friends, but it's, it's for, it's for all of, all of us who have been made children of God, because you can't read Ephesians one and not think, wow, we're amazing. <laughs> right. And so, and so the, um, part of what arises from being small spirited is you, is you spend a whole bunch of time. It's like people say we have a God shaped hole in us. Well, yeah, sort of. But I think there's something like there's a whole, there's a hole in, in, in us because we're not pursuing the greatness that is meant for us. 
So instead of pursuing the great things, we pursue a whole bunch of little things. Right. And because of that, we don't rest. Right. Because I don't have, uh, I mean, we can give an example with something else maybe, but you know, maybe because I don't have a true good friend that I can have intimacy with, I pursue little bouts of intimacy all over the place. Right. Or, or something like that. Right. Um, because I don't have a purpose that fulfills my life. I grab a purpose of the world. Let's say, you know, I don't know, uh, in terms of our own area, getting a tenure track position at a top, top, you know, university. And I make that my goal. Is it because that's what I want? Or is it because that's what I've been told I should want? This is the greatness that the world offers. Um, or it could be, you know, the classic things of making lots of money, being able to retire early or, you know, whatever, whatever, having a bigger house and a nicer car than your neighbors. Um, and that kind of garbage. Uh, and so, um, what this is, uh, what this is, is then instead of, instead of living up to the greatness of the transcendent good that God has put within us, which by the way, isn't just sharing the gospel with your neighbors. If all you're doing, if you think the greatness means sharing the four spiritual laws with your neighbors, you're missing the point of the kingdom come, the kingdom coming, which you're supposed to be praying in your Lord's prayer all the time, right? What does it mean for the kingdom's come, the kingdom to come? It means all the elements of the kingdom are manifest in our lives. That's where the greatness is, by the way. And so, and that's a high obligation, right? And the, by the way, what is the kingdom? It's the, the, well, it's, fundamentally love of God and love of neighbor. But what does it mean to love your neighbor? It doesn't mean just sharing the gospel. I mean, what was Jesus doing this whole time here? Was he just giving the four spiritual laws to everybody? Is that all he ever said? No, he talked about all kinds of stuff. But uh, not, only, not only talked about all kinds of stuff, he was healing people. He was feeding people. He was doing all kinds of, of good in the lives of people. Um, you know, it wasn't just this, this um, thing that you can – can check off the you know on a list but he was he was invested in people and helping people be find find the fulfillment that god created them to have yes and he not only helped people when he called them he called them to action right so when he's calling his first disciples he doesn't we in fact our our, uh uh one of our one of our pastors just gave a message on this we talked about our last community group was when jesus calls his first disciples he doesn't you know go to you know, them and say, Hey, put down your nets and come go to come and I'll tell you how to go to heaven. He says, Come follow me. And by the way, here's a here's a job. This is what you're gonna do if you follow me. You have this task to go become a fisher of men, right? Um Well, it's what what Dallas Willard, you know, talks about the great omission and the great commission, and he says you know, it's the make, make disciples. It's not just get people saved. It's make disciples, which that is a drastically different thing than just getting someone to say the prayer and start showing up to church on Sundays. Right. And then we can ignore them because their eternal destination is handled. And so no, no, it's, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be the kingdom of God here, which means all kinds of stuff in the relationship to the unbelievers around me, it means all kinds of stuff in relationship in, in relation as I relate to the poor and the needy, um, all kinds of things in terms of how I relate to the other believers that I'm with. And and I'm gonna sound crazy, but even how we we relate to creation itself. Absolutely. The creation that God loves. Yes. Right? 
I know somebody's going to, if somebody's listening to this, they might say, well, no, God's going to burn it up and throw it away. That will maybe a, be a future podcast as well. Read into um, your right, surprised by, by hope. <laughs> yeah. So I want to make, I want to make one more because, because Acedia, we haven't really talked a lot about how Acedia is a sadness and I know we kind of have to wrap it up here. Um, but Acedia is a kind of sadness. Um, because it's, and I don't know, I mean, I've seen a lot of this. I mean, I just know a lot of people who are like this, um, who they have this sense that there's supposed to be some greatness about them. It's partly because maybe the way we train them, that everybody's great and everyone's a hero and you can do whatever you want and be a superhero when you grow up, blah, 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 blah. But I think part of it actually relates to the idea that we realize that there is something, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something important. And, but I'm, but I'm fearful of that. I'm fearful of the responsibility that comes with that. And so I turn away from that in sadness, right? You can almost think of it as like the rich young ruler to whom Jesus called, Jesus called him to greatness, but he stuck with this small sold obsession with holding on to his money. And he walks away in sadness, believing that the good that Christ had called him to was not in fact good, or at least not as good as what he was holding on to. And he left in sadness, right? Um, and so this is what this is how Peeper describes it. And this is just fantastic. Um, the way he describes I think this might be a good, a good summary. So the more acedia advances from the region of emotion into that of intellectual decisions. It always starts with a kind of emotion, but it's an emotion based on habits that we are living that form our perception. So what are those habits? All the things that the world is telling you will fulfill you. We live in accordance with those and we form habits of life that turn us away from what God has desired for us. What God, the ennobling element of what God has given us. You look like you're going to say something. Well, and, and not just what the world tells us, but sometimes what our own what our own bodies tell us, what our own emotions tell us. Um, you know, the the you know when when we we think we need something, we you know that uh, that that's that's contrary to um, to these this goodness, and it, it's yeah, it's not just the world, but it, you know, it, it can be ourselves sabotaging this goodness. Right. Exactly. The more, the more we give in, the more we, more we turn away from it. So, uh, yeah. So the, the more it it advances from the region of emotion into that of intellectual decision, the more it becomes a deliberate turning away from an actual fleeing from God, which by the way, part of this fleeing from God is the saying over and over again, I'm nothing but garbage. I'm nothing but garbage. I'm nothing but garbage because you're calling God a liar and you're turning away from what he is great, what he is, uh, what he has given you by his grace, uh, by grace alone. Uh, man flees from God because God has exalted human nature to a higher, a divine, a state of being, or a higher or a divine state of being, and has thereby enjoined on man a higher standard of obligation. Your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees, right? Uh, you have such a high obligation that it's above those who are almost fulfilling their obligations almost perfectly. And then he says this, acedia is, in the last analysis, a detestatio boni divini, which means a, a, a hatred of the divine good, with the monstrous result that upon reflection, man expressly wishes that God had not ennobled him, 
but had left him in peace. And so what, what, uh, what Peter is saying is that there's an element where we just wish God would leave us alone and just let us kind of coast in mediocrity, the pursuit of uh, small-souled things that the world has to offer um, because we're fearful of what is required of us if we indeed are great. Something, something along those lines, which even the way we talk about the gospel, we don't talk about people being great and being called to obligation. We talk about people getting saved, but that's not even what Jesus did. Jesus didn't call people so they could get into the kingdom. He called them so that they would spread the kingdom. Amen. That's, that's a fundamental, and it's a really, really, really important difference because if it's, it's small maybe, but if we're calling people to get more, look, you're going to suffer, you're going to experience pain if you don't get saved and you're going to get pleasures of some sort. If you get saved, don't you want to get saved? Yes. Now I'm not saying that's false. What I'm saying is that that is a way of talking about salvation that is shot through with acedia. Yes. Because they're not being called. They're being, they're getting a reward. They're not called to anything. So what I'm saying is that even the way we talk about salvation and Christianity, we keep infecting people with acedia and we're wondering why, why we're, why we tend to be stuck in our spiritual lives. We don't care about it. We care less about discipleship than we do about, getting numbers saved, so on and so forth. We have our kids, you know, addicted to video games, porn, whatever. And, and they're just talking about how much, how much they, they're, how terrible they are. All of this stuff is in the context of belief in the gospel as we present it, belief in God. And yet we're all trapped. And, and, and and let me also just, just, make sure that we're not just going, you know, point in one direction. Let's point the other direction is our, you know, people who are, who kids are addicted to, to success, to having to be, you know, you know, I know, I know people who have their kids as young as seven, eight years old on travel sports teams where they're gone almost every weekend for travel sports. And it's like, that seems to be missing the point too. Um, you know, so it's not just this, you know, video game playing stuff, but, but sometimes this, this achievement, you know, not just sometimes, but it can also be achievement that is, is the, the wrong, wrong headed direction. Aquinas says, uh, Acedia is actually connected to a, uh, a, uh, it's, it's breaking the, the commandment to rest, to rest in God. It's yeah. a breaking the, of the commandment of the Sabbath because, you get really busy, right? And a lot of these travel teams do, in fact, take the place of going to church because what Matt? Because church doesn't get you. I mean, church is nice to help you be better, but it doesn't. It doesn't get you a scholarship, right? It doesn't help you succeed in life. Um. So yeah, this is, uh, and we're we're going we're going pretty long here, uh, but. So this, this idea of acedia, I think it's a really rich idea. It's connected to the idea of despair. Um, a lot of Christians are in despair, uh, despite the fact that they, they objectively have a hope 
they subjectively are experiencing despair. Um, and they're experiencing despair, not because they don't believe they're going to, they believe they're not going to go to heaven. It's not because they, they think they've lost heaven. They're in despair because all they care about is what comes in an afterlife and they don't recognize themselves. All they care about is a reward, uh, or whatever. They don't, they're not, they don't feel they're called to anything great. And, and if you notice in our conversation, we're not saying you need to do something different. We're saying you need to think differently. You need to see things differently. See things differently. Yes. And, and so, you know, when, as if we walk away from this, don't think, well, I, I need to, you know, flip flop everything in my actions. You know, you're probably going to need to change some actions to help with this, but the actions aren't done for the sake of changing the actions. They're done to help you see things differently. So that your actions now arise out of magnanimity and the joy in what God has given us. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, that's acedia, another one of the seven deadly sins or one of the seven capital vices uh, out of which flow a lot of other vices. Um, And it's one that maybe we're, well, I don't know if we're particularly prone to any one of them. We're kind of prone to all of them. Um, But I think... I think it's something that maybe more than any of the others tends to infect even the way that we talk about Christianity. And so it's a particularly sneaky one. Yes. So I, 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 I might say this is the sneakiest of the seven deadly sins, the, right. the easiest to be, to get caught up in and have no idea what's going on. Yeah. It can even sound like righteousness when you speak this way. So uh, just something to think about tonight. We encourage you to, to read further on it or if you, if you, you know, if you have any questions or something, send it to us at wondering at tacticalfaith.com. And instead of an O or an A in wondering, you put a little underscore. So thank you so much. Uh, this is Travis. This is Joel. And join us next time when we talk about anger and wrath. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.